Interstate Batteries offers a wide variety of batteries for your everyday needs. Stop into one of their thousands of retail locations and talk with a battery specialist about batteries for your truck, trail cameras, and even those weird batteries for your rangefinder. Interstate Batteries even offers cell phone repair in certain locations. For more information, visit interstatebatteries.com. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Antler Up podcast. We're on episode 151. And for this week, Dimitri and I, we were joined by Brandon Mills of the Everyday Outdoorsman. And these guys, based out of Pennsylvania, Brandon's a great dude. Had a chance to meet him last year at the PA Outdoor Show and had him on the podcast two other times to kind of talk about his recapping a specific hunt. And then last year, towards the end of the season, the end of the year, kind of recap form and now this year I wanted to bring him on because I know he's been knocking some deer down between Pennsylvania and Maryland and we had the last couple days here in Pennsylvania kind of for rifle season end up so we wanted to have him talk a little bit about that as well as late season because I know he continues to get after it in the in Maryland and here in Pennsylvania so we discuss kind of life a little bit here in the beginning we talk a little bit about how a season's gone, how late season tactics, strategies, gear, and then just kind of like the whole mindset thing again a little bit, just to kind of be positive and his game plan going in for the PA rifle last two days, basically. And I was able to get out on Saturday, did not feel well towards the end of the week. So really, really was only able to get out on Saturday and uh, finally <laughs> filled the doe tag, which was great. So really excited uh, to have that opportunity. So, you know, kind of lifts the... Uh, whole uh over for me so get that taken care of and now we'll be scouting and doing a little bit of uh, late season here in the future so again those of you that are listening you want to talk a little bit about your season recap a specific guest that you want to hear anything along those lines please reach out we'd be more than happy to accommodate and try our best to, to do that so thanks again everybody have a great week antler up and before we get into this week's episode, I want to share with you a discount code from Black Rifle Coffee. And Black Rifle Coffee Company is a veteran-owned coffee company serving premium coffee to people who love America. So fuel your next adventure and purchase at www.blackriflecoffee.com and use code ANTLER at checkout to save 20% off your purchase and or your first club coffee club subscription. Last year was a wild year for censorship for hunters and anglers. We partnered with social media platforms Go Wild to combat mainstream social media censorship. Go Wild was built by outdoorsmen and women by hunters and anglers just like you. Go Wild is a free social community. Not only are your photos not censored, they're encouraged on Go Wild. And Go Wild gives you points for things like sharing your trophies, gear reviews, and inviting friends. As you earn points, you unlock awesome rewards too, such as gift cards, free swag, knives, huge discounts on brands like Garmin and Vortex, and so much more. And if you create a free account, you can unlock $10 just for trying it out. Visit and download GoWild.com to get started. All right, everybody, let's get into this week's episode. All right, well, we're back, we're live, and uh, we got Brandon Miller on again, which is I, I look forward to having the opportunity to have this conversation now like yearly <laughs> because, <Yeah. laughs> uh, man, I, I love what you're doing. Uh, just you're awesome to talk to a great dude, Pennsylvania, and you guys just do a great job over there with the everyday outdoorsmen. And like I said, just having a chance to talk to you and get a chance to, you know, just know you through messaging and having the podcast. I l just look forward to this evening when when you say yeah i'm free let's do it <laughs> yeah absolutely i've been looking forward to this it's always a good time to to catch up and talk to your hun yeah so how was everything how was your your thanksgiving of everything good everything's been going well yeah like we talked about like uh, expecting a child here in april so it's our first one we're really excited uh gonna be a girl dad yeah. so uh, we found out the gender um but no a lot of a lot of good things happening uh outside of the hunting world uh just personal life it's a lot everything's going really well um so yeah it's been it's been a good holiday season so far 
Um, but yeah, we're really excited for what the future holds here. Nice. What was that moment like when you, you know, you found out that your wife was like expecting, you know, you guys are going in on this new adventure together. Like what, what was your like moment? Like were you, you know, cause I remember my, my moment. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it was like, it was literally like one in the morning. My wife was still awake. I was passed out. She actually woke me up and for the rest of the night, I couldn't sleep. <laughs> I was, I was super excited. Um, so yeah, it was, it was a good, it was a good moment. And then also last week, finding out the gender, that was really special as well. We were uh, there at the, the doctor watching the ultrasound and yeah. just, just super special. Uh, we're both, uh, we feel very blessed to be able to embark on this together. Nice. Good. Dimitri, what are you going to say? <laughs> well, I, you know, I was just, I was just thinking, you know, today, uh, for example, my son and I, my older son and I, we were out uh, picking up our trail cameras. You know, I wanted to pull them in and kind of get that inventory uh, over the one private piece that I, that I hunt. And so, you know, got to take them out and, you know, we were hunting quote unquote, you know, to mm-hmm. him, but we were just riding the four wheeler around and, uh, you know, diving into the woods and picking up cameras and, you know, it was pretty awesome. And, you know, he's more interested in seeing the bugs on the rocks and, you know, things <laughs> like that, but, you know, it's getting them started. He's only three and a half, but uh, it was a cool experience and, you know, can't wait to grow upon that. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's what like, Brandon, don't worry about. I, my daughter, you know, she's eight and man, mm-hmm. I, she's, she's gotten into wanting to, to get into hunting and do things and, I think she's she's right on that cusp of uh, wanting to really do it, but you know she says she wants to do it now, and yeah. she'll do certain activities with me. She'll shoot her bow with me, which is so fun to do, and wow. you know that that's really cool. And, and yeah. you know she always busts on on me and Dimitri. Like she'll be like, "Hey, I'm Dimitri. Hey, I'm Jeremy from Antler Up." <laughs> you know, she always does like in our impersonations. Like actually, Dimitri was so funny the other day. She did one where she was like. Hey, uh, I'm Nora from Antler Up, and uh, how'd she say it? She pretended to be you, though, at, in the same sentence, Dimitri, because she was like, my dad, Greg, killed our big buck that we've been after since for the last four years. Like, she was talking about <laughs> the rifle buck from last year, which is kind of funny. But, uh, yeah, man, I, it's that's awesome. Congratulations on that. Did you do anything interesting or fun for the gender reveal or um, well, my wife and I found out um, at the doctor's office, but then we had our families over, and uh, our dog came running out of the bedroom with the pink balloons tied to her <laughs> back. So it was pretty fun just to share that experience with them. Yeah, that's cool, man. Oh, yeah. That's that's awesome. So, man, mm-hmm. you again, another awesome year. Uh, you know, with some, knocking some deer down, a turkey down in the fall, right around to yeah. Thanksgiving, which was awesome. So, yeah. uh, I do want to dive into all that in, that your your season and kind of too like you know, kind of before you get into re, you know, revisiting your season, how it went, do you have anything else going after right now or, or are you kind of wrapping up? I know you do Maryland and stuff. Mm-hmm. No, we actually have uh, about a month and a half left. Um, okay. So I'm actually leaving tomorrow for the last two days of the PA rifle season, going up to the big woods. Uh, my dad and a couple buddies, a uh, cousin of mine too. So we're going to head up to the big woods. There's some monsters up there that we're chasing. Um, I don't know if you guys saw that shed I found. Yep. I, I'm hoping that deer's still alive. I <laughs> uh, haven't had it on trail camera yet this year, but it just seems like about 50 to 75% of the bucks that I had last year and the year before have moved on. There's so little food. So these deer are shifting and, and we're still trying to find them. I found the food. I just haven't found the bucks yet. Nice. What is the food? So right now they're they're literally digging at the bases of ferns and just for roots. Um, the bagworms hit the beach super hard this year. There's no beech nuts. The yolks aren't producing. So I was just finding whole hillsides just tore up where they're just chewing on the roots. Um, and one interesting thing that I've seen is that buck that I have that shed from from two years ago, between his 2020 rack and his 2021 rack, nothing really changed. Mm-hmm. And I'm seeing that on a lot of these deer, there's so little food up there. There's still plenty of deer, but their racks just don't get any bigger. Their bodies get bigger, but their racks just stay the same pretty much, um, which there's still some really big deer, some 130s, 140s, 150s, um, but it's not like you're getting that 10 to 20-inch growth each year. Right. 
So what is your strategy going into this last weekend? You said you're hunting the big woods. You know, obviously these deer have been pressured probably in the last two weeks. Mm-hmm. So is your drives or, you know, are you going to try to find those kind of little pinch points that the deer might get pressured into? I think it's going to be a lot of that, um, all of the above, honestly. So Friday, I'm working remote from the cabin, so I can't hunt the morning. But in the evening, I'm going to hunt a known bedding area where I can see the other hillside where these deer are coming out of, funneling around into the feed. Um, So I'm going to hunt that on Friday. But then Saturday, I think we're supposed to get about a half inch to an inch of snow um, on Friday night up there. So in that case, I'm probably going to hunt the food in the morning and close to bedding that, that transition between, uh, food and bedding. And then honestly, just try and pick up a big set of tracks. Um, I've done it in the past where I've caught big sets of tracks, like four foot separation between front hoof and back. If you know it, when you see it, um, I've tracked them through the snow up there, caught up with them. I've actually never killed one doing that, killed a buck doing, I've killed doe, but, um, I've caught up to him and just circumstances didn't let me get a shot, but I know I can get on a a big set of tracks and track them because I know the amount of bucks that are up there. I know I can figure one out and see if I can catch up to them. Is that kind of the same area? If I, my memory serves me correct last year, where you killed a doe like up on like big hillside, big woods. Is that kind of in that same vicinity area? Yep. Yep. Yeah. That's I'll be in that exact spot um, Friday. And then we're just going to drive down the road, the same public piece, just, just another area for the all day Saturday. So that's a great question. And I loved the way like Dimitri asked that because, you know, you do, you, you know, kind of an everyday working individual, you know, an everyday, you know, sportsman. So yeah. when, you, when, when you think about having two days left, you're throwing the, the whole playbook at it. You're throwing the whole kitchen cadoodle, you know, yeah. what, like, I know you said like all the above, you know, mm-hmm. are you doing like a, like, do you have any type of game plan going into it? Like, I know you kind of said some, like you gave what your game plan, it would be tri- finding the track, but like, are you saying I'm going to go out there in an hour and 10 minutes at this location. And then I might transition mm-hmm. to, to kind of like move around a little bit just because certain yeah. people I know when they have a gun in, on their shoulder, they're able to, they like to move. And then mm-hmm. there's, you know, compared to when we have a bow in hand, we want to sit and wait. Right. No, that's a great question. Actually, my dad and I have been talking about this, uh, this exact topic this year where we kind of come up with this game plan in our head for weeks before deer season, before rifle season, we're like rolling this around my mind. And it's like, we can't figure out what to do. Like, we're just kind of, all these ideas are popping in. It's like, what do we do here? There's so many good spots to hunt. There's deer everywhere that we know, like we can find them. Right. And it's just, you just constantly are thinking about it. And I told my dad, I was like, I literally have to stop talking about it and just go with my gut. And he's like, yeah, the, the thing that I've done in, in the past is wherever the spirit leads. So if I'm sitting here, if I'm going to tell myself, I'm going to sit here for three hours. Well, an hour into it, I'm like, I'm not seeing here. I'm not having fun here. or I'm just not seeing the deer get up and move. Just go where the spirit leads. That's kind of my goal this week. And I, I say, I'm going to sit in the morning, but if there's snow and I catch a big set of tracks as I'm walking into my, tr- into the spot, I want to sit, I'm going to wait till daylight and track that deer. Yeah. It's, it's whatever's going to happen is going to happen. And I'll, I'll go wherever, wherever I need to go and do whatever I need to do. But it's kind of, I'm just, like you said, giving them the kitchen sink. I'm going to, I'm going to do everything I can. <laughs> now, do you feel less pressure with the, the big woods and these larger chunks of, of doing that? Because you're not, you feel like you're not going to screw things up or, you know, if you're in a smaller piece, you might bump it off the property where you might not access it. Do you feel it's a little bit easier to do that in the, that bigger timber? Yeah. Um, it's harder to kill the deer, but to your point, yes, it, I, I don't feel that pressure. And especially if I have snow, I've had them where I've bumped them. Like I've felt the wind on the back of my neck and the deer take off running and I will literally run after them and I can't see them, but I can see their strides. If their strides get longer in the snow, I'm running, um, or at least walking really fast. When those strides start to, to creep back together, then I'm starting to sneak a little bit more. And I've, and if there's snow, you're going to catch up to them at some point. You may have to walk three or four miles to get them, but you will catch up to them. Uh, even if, cause they're going to go to a spot at some point in that, in that track that they do where you have the right wind. You just have to be patient and keep on them. That's the lot. The, the, cause that's the thing. 
if I were to be able to hunt the last two days, like I, I obviously like for me, I'll be able to get out Saturday for sure. So that last day, like you said, I'm throwing the kitchen sink. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to be, you know, at that first, maybe hour and a half, 40 minutes, maybe max, I might be up in a tree kind of seeing how that natural movement's going to be. And then I know they will be doing some drives in the area that I'll be, and I'm going to kind of set myself up where I think certain deer will kind of funnel to and find a little safe haven for, but man, Brandon, like when you were saying about your dad, I just feel like, Oh my gosh, he's talking about me because that's exactly (laughs) what I did almost all year. Uh, especially to even those first two days of, of rifle season with my dad, just because, you know, it changes a little bit for us, like in the area where we hunt because the, the pr- added pressure that gets put on and it's not like insane amount of pressure, but there is pressure and right. it, it did uh, change things a little bit, but man, when you get, say either like you check a camera, you pull a card or you have a cell camera and you start seeing certain deer and you try to come up with a game plan, you know, I really, they help those cell cameras and Dimitri, we talked about it a couple weeks ago. They help, but I'm almost to the point where like, I want to use them until like that first time I'm in that area hunting. And I want to like pull them because, (laughs) and then I can hang a normal camera to let it soak just because Mm -hmm. it it really kind of just, it messes with you, man. And like, and and especially in these big wood settings, the people that have, you know, a, a a farm or an area where they, they could compensate, com- like have deer go to a, a true pattern. Whereas like mm-hmm. the three of us, we hunt, it's darn near impossible to get a pattern on these deer. It's like yeah. they come on one to th- every couple days. Like yeah. this this morning, that big one, Dimitri, it posted up up top, like like just random. You know what I mean? It's like, where, where is he? Co- like, where are you going? Where are you coming from? Because he'll be on Brandon. Like when you think about it of a mountain, he's up top, he's on one side, he's on the other side and he's, he just loops around, but yep. he stays clear of certain, certain uh, cameras and stuff. But mm-hmm. yeah, like you, you just got to go with your gut and like what yep. the spirit's telling you. Yep. Absolutely. Oh man. No. And I, and then I even think it's, it's difficult at the end of the season too, when deer have been pressured, even the, you know, people do drives or wind bumps or whatever you want to call it. You know, I, I know like with, with another buddy of ours and, and my dad, I'll, I'll go out with either of them and try to put, do some pushes for, for them. Uh, you know, but you know, just a one man drive it, trying to push to one other person as well is very difficult. Do you guys do anything like that up in the big woods and, or do you have any strategies of trying to do that? Uh, we've done it in the past, never really had too much success. Um, it's a little tougher in the big wood settings. Uh, now my brother-in-law and I did it last year, uh, down in Maryland and had success doing it, but those are such smaller chunks of woods that you can get those funnels and and learn those funnels, learn where the bedding is, learn where you need to push. And just, it's a lot easier to do that. Um, the big woods, they're going where they want to go. And I mean, it's, it's, you have a rifle in your hand, but that extra 100, 200 yards sometimes isn't even enough. Right. Uh, and some, a lot of times you don't even see the deer because they're just over a knob or on the on another ridge, and it just doesn't work. Sometimes you'll see them, but um, we've had more success just still hunting by ourselves. Dad and I will just, and all my buddies will just go separate areas, and maybe we'll bump deer to each other as we're moving around, but not necessarily focusing on doing a circle drive. You know, Dimitri, you brought up a great point of asking like about that one person, you know, the three of us grew up with our dads hunting, you know, hunting with them, obviously. And I'm, I know for a fact, they probably did that one man drive you know, to us. I can't recall very much success with that just because of, mm-hmm. like you said, Brandon, that the woods are just so big and they're going to go where they want to go. Yep. I don't know. That's just, I always remember my dad one time, this was actually maybe Oh man, I would say about a decade ago. I remember being up in a uh, ladder stand and my dad was like, Hey, I know you, you know, we got to get, get you back, back home tomorrow. Like I'll go walk from the bottom and see if I push anything down to you and, or from like from the top and push anything down to me at the bottom. And, you know, I, I didn't see anything. And my dad, like when he finally got to me, he's sweating and he's like, man, did you, did those deer all run this way? And I'm like, <laughs> nope. <laughs> you know, like the poor guy, like probably just walked like, you know, a little over a mile, you know, for him at the time. And it was just like, 
nope, they they did not. He's like, oh, there was a buck chasing, and there, there were a ton of doe. Like, I was like, nope, <laughs> nothing. So, yeah, but like my dad, I now we're thinking about and talking about it. My dad did a drive for myself. This may have been five years ago now. Had a south wind, had the wind on perfect for driving on his back. And wouldn't you know it, an eight point jumps up in front of him, tears down off the hill. He takes off running after it, peeks over the side. There it is, Stan. He drops it. Big, big mountain eight points. Like, yep. <laughs> perfect drive for me. And I don't see any deer, but he has the complete opposite wind that he needs and he shoots one. So just funny that that happens to us sometimes. And it showed too, again, he busted up probably right when your dad was right on top of him. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It was thick up there and that deer, the deer didn't want to move, but he got close enough and got him out of his bed and was able to kill him. Yeah. Any, any other, uh, Dimitri, I'm trying to think anything more recent for, for you, like you could think of, of what you guys are going to be doing at all, like your dad or anybody for, for this upcoming last PA rifle weekend. So typically what we do is there's a couple small groups of guys that we get together with, uh, typically on that last Saturday and do, do, uh, I'd say we get from anywhere from five to possibly eight guys and we do some deer drives and, you know, we'll get into some shooting and and do some typical spots that we don't hunt all year and and just push. And, uh, it's always a fun time, you know, it's just kind of get together, just BS and, you know, do some pushes. So I, I always like it, you know, especially when you don't have to have a rifle in your hand because there's no pressure and you're just kind of walking around and trying to hear the, the lead fly, you know, it always gets you excited, but, uh, that's typically what we're going to probably do this weekend. And, uh, hopefully we put a couple down. That's awesome. Brandon, what, so say these two, two days, uh, you guys go out there, you put all out, no bucks go down for you. What, what's your game plan late season? Are you going to go chasing in that same area with the bow in that late season or with the Flint, anything along those lines? Um, I probably won't end up back there, uh, for late season. We tend to have a lot more success down in Maryland, um, with late season drives. Um, Honestly, there's there's more doe down there, so I, I like to fill a couple doe tags late season. Uh, we've had good success doing some drives down there. Um, we've done drives, I think, the last three years and killed maybe five or six deer between us all. Um, so it's just simple little short drives, and they just seem to work. Um, so we'll probably do that a bunch. I know we're heading up north um, to Grant's cabin uh late season we may do a hunter a hunter two there but that's with all our wives and girlfriends so that'll be more of a hangout weekend but hopefully get out with the flintlocks then too but honestly just going to be hunting every time i can and probably mostly will be in maryland yeah maryland was a little warmer too a little warmer yeah (laughs) I'm, i'm hoping for some snow down there we haven't gotten to hunt snow much down there in the past but never know Man, this weather for us—I don't know. I mean, because you're you're on the eastern side, right? You're on the eastern, yeah. And like, man, back at home from my dad, and it's just a—it's been warm. It's been rainy. It's—I yeah. mean, it's you get out there to get out there. But like my dad, I know he was out there this morning, and he's like, it is foggy as all heck. I can't yeah. see twenty yards in front of me. And then like a half hour later, he texts me. He's like, it is downpouring. You know, he's just like, it's just, you know, he just couldn't catch a break. And other people that I know hunt where I work and that are other teachers and they've even said, man, what, what a crappy two weeks for rifle season. They need to push it. You know? And it's just like, (laughs) yep, glad I was working this week. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But now let's talk a little bit about like late season gear. You know, it could be even once we get into January, it could be now, like, is there anything specific that you take? rifle hunting with you that maybe sometimes doesn't go with you during archery season or anything like that? Well, this year we're running the, the Huntworth gear. Mm-hmm. Um, now we do have a sponsorship with them, but honestly been super impressed with it. I'm, we're running their heat boost technology. Um, it's, I think rated for minus 10 to 20 degrees, super oh, wow. warm. Um, been super impressed with it. Um, a lot of times in late season and rifle hunting, I'm just taking a hot seat with me and camera gear. Honestly, not taking a whole lot now. Opening day of rifle, I carried my tree stand around all day, which I was semi-regretting it most of the day because <laughs> I carried that thing a long way and it weighs 29 pounds. 
um, and then all my gear on top of that. But mostly I'm hunting off the ground, trying to keep it minimalistic, um, kind of tough to do when you're filming all your hunts. Um, but honestly, not a whole lot changes for me other than what I'm wearing just for, for that warm weather gear. When I'm hunting Maryland, I will most likely be in a tree. Uh, unless we're doing drives, then we're probably on the ground. Yeah, using this new Huntworth gear, like, what was your kind of maybe your layering system prior to that? Like, you don't, I don't, you don't have to say names or anything like that. But like, <laughs> did you always have like a, a specific type of base layer that you found, or anything along those lines that you really feel like, man, this really does work and help and etc. Mm-hmm. Um, I've always just run some, I've run fleece pants. Um, I, all my base gate base layer stuff. I have no idea what the brands are. Yeah. Um, I think the pants were hand me down from my dad and my top was a hand me down from my dad. So the name, the name brands probably worn off of it. Um, I know the fleece pants have huge holes in them, but they're still warm and I love them. I uh, haven't really found anything that, uh, else that i really like i mean we we also do run uh the huntworth under layer two and i'm i've been really impressed with that um but i do run my my old faithful stuff that uh probably shouldn't be wearing anymore because it's got so many holes in it (laughs) but uh no i i usually when it's super cold probably like 30 and below uh i'm wearing two base layers uh one that's skin tight and then a fleece on top of that and then my coat and then for my for my uh pants i'm using the fleece wool socks and then right into my right into my wool pants nice yep. yeah, that's the one thing how i'm glad you said like a more of like a next to skin and then another base layer on top of it like dimitri i didn't i've always been a big fan of the furnace and the last two years i've i've was running that furnace base layer like next to skin and this year i swapped it with uh a kiln as my next to skin and then i put the furnace base layer on from from first light and i felt like that has helped a lot uh with a little bit more warmth because i've the furnace is probably one of my favorite pieces of kind of clothing gear there is just because I find it very versatile in the sense of even if it's 50 degrees or 40 degrees, I know it's their heavier one. Even if I just wore that with a hoodie or whatever, the, the lighter jacket on like the warmer days, I'm, I'm, I'm great. I'm perfect when it's colder and everything that's that next to, you know, it just, it's that another piece of base layer along with maybe a, a mid layer and then it's the outerwear. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's critical. And I've, do you do anything? Cause I know, like you said, you still hunt a little bit, maybe with a stand, especially when you go to Maryland and everything, when mm-hmm. it's a little bit colder, do you do anything specific with your boots to keep your feet warm or anything? No, I don't. Um, it's usually not my feet that I have problems with. Okay. Um, I, I don't tend to sweat a whole lot from my feet, which is good because uh, then they get super cold. But up top, I get super cold. So I will honestly walk in with either a T-shirt or a long sleeve T-shirt and then set up my stand at the base of my tree, get all my stuff ready without a shirt on, just letting that cold air um, take all that moisture off of me. Um, it's chilly to do that, but it, it's so worth it when you're sitting up in that tree and you're warm because I've had it the other way too where you get in your tree and you're soaked in the inside and this heat boost stuff is intended to lock in the heat and sure enough it does but now you're frozen because it's it, it, you have sweat on you. So I, I tend to pay more attention to my upper half than my lower half. Good. How about you, Dimitri? I was going to say, what do you got for that? Uh, so I, I basically do what, what you said. I, I had the, uh, the Merino wool long sleeve tee underneath my furnace. Uh, I don't like to run that tight to my skin either. Cause I just like that extra layer. Uh, typically for me is my hands and my feet, they get cold the most. So, you know, I have to have good socks, good, you know, heavy glove or hand warmers for me. Usually my body stays, stays pretty warm. Uh, so I don't need to like every crazy layer, you know, like what I was thinking is the late seasons were really tough just because you don't know what you're going to do. Right. Like kind of like Brandon said, he might take a tree stand and sit, or he might, you know, catch a track and walk. So you don't know how to really layer or what to put on because you could be moving the whole day or you could be sitting for an hour or two, like kind of like what Jeremy wanted to do. But if you don't have that right temperature down, 
it's going to be miserable if whether you're sweating or if you're cold. So, yep. you know, that late season's kind of, I would say, the hardest to kind of figure out. Because mm-hmm. um, if you know you're going to be walking, you don't have to have all that layer and you don't want to have these, you know, these cold gear, heavy jackets, you know, on your backpack and walking around. Um, but it is nice. A lot of these hunting clothing companies are making this gear that's really warm, but it's not bulky and it's not heavy, which is really beneficial for this time of year. Mm-hmm. That's the one thing I noticed too, like Brandon, like with your guys' stuff, like from that you're wearing, it doesn't look bulky. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And that's, no. you know, like how Dimitri was saying, even uh, I know I, I, towards the end of archery season, like there was a hunt that I did and it was a quick one. And I literally had on the kiln that furnace. And then I had like the solitude jacket and like I wore walking in, like you said, Brandon, like I just wore that kiln. And then I, when I got to the tree where I was going, that's when I threw on the furnace and then, Mm -hmm. you know, I threw on the coat and when I was up on in the saddle up in the tree, I think that was a piece that, I mean, a lot of people I know for sure, know that now to like walk in as minimal as possible. But mm-hmm. you know, I, I, it is a very critical thing and that's, you know, picking that up even from you tonight, like you said, I'll, if I know I got to get set up, I'll take a couple minutes. And like you said, just take that shirt off and let that yep. moisture wick away. Just because like you said, it's, it's a, either it's going to, that's where that mind game starts to come creep in a little bit. We're like, Oh my gosh, I'm just freezing. I'm, I'm yep. not seeing anything. I'm just going to get down and here we go. You're, you get yep. down and you walk 30 yards and boom, there goes the deer that you're, if you would have just sat and, and yep. you know, <laughs> and, and you could have killed. So yeah, yep. I, the one other thing that I, Dimitri, I'm like you, my hands and my feet get cold probably first and then it trickles for, for me. I, I want a, we need to come up with a way to create those art Arctic shields, but like a 10 times easier way to get on your boot without like, mm-hmm. I don't know the way and like just a easier slip on format for those things. Cause they work flawlessly. They really mm-hmm. do, but it is impossible to, to like climb in them. It's impossible yep. to like be in the saddle and trying to put that on. And like, I can only lift my legs so high type no. of ordeal um and then now now do you put those over your boots or do you have to take your boots off and put your feet in them you're supposed to put them over your boots okay i think unless I've seen it both ways i know okay a guy that, i know a guy that puts hand warmers in them things and takes his boot off and he swears by it hmm. <laughs> but i we ran those for a little bit and they worked but i hated how loud they were yeah they're very loud yes they are very loud <laughs> Um, I was not a big fan of that. So that's like news to me. So like, look, you, you know, you're teaching an old dog some new tricks. You can put your, your just your boot, your feet in there. But mm-hmm. I've tried the uh, Byron Horton method of like cutting like a wool sock and slipping like the wool sock over my boot. So that way it's when that's hitting mm-hmm. the platform that has helped. Uh, I wouldn't okay. say it's, you know, if, if an Arctic shield is like a nine out of 10 for mm-hmm. that, I would say that's like a 7.8. Um, okay. so, but it does, it does work. It does help. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's man. And I, I, when my feet start to get cold, it's like, I can't wait to get down and start walking because that's when, mm-hmm. you know, it starts to warm up more. Right. Right. But it is, that is one piece like Dimitri, you said though, when you are going out late season, you, you know, like when it's the rut, you know, you're sitting all day. So, you know, I got to bring either an extra layer or not. But when it's that is a, a key piece that I know if you are going to be mobile somewhat, you have to plan a little bit more into into what you're bringing. You know? Yeah. And I, and I agree with that. And I, I said earlier that I may be a little bit of a minimalistic for for rifle hunting. And then I was just thinking about it, I was like. I'm not honestly <laughs> like, like I carry in my two base layers and my coat and then I'll have an additional base layer and a light coat just in case I'm moving. So I'm carrying in five different pieces of clothing just in case. Now I'm carrying in the light stuff, but then, I mean, you add your 20 pounds of camera gear. It's, it's ridiculous. I think opening day of rifle, I'm, I was probably running 67, 60, 65 pounds, but, which is absurd. But I mean, it was worth it because I killed one. But yeah. if I didn't kill one, I'd be questioning my yeah. my my gear there. 
Yeah, <laughs> that doe, you smoked her. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was the only deer I saw all day. But uh, and I told myself that I wasn't going to kill a deer in there uh, unless it was on film. And well, sure enough, she read the script at fifty yards. But I was still probably about three quarters of a mile in, and it was a haul to get her out because it was the it was the beach that's like two feet by two feet, like against each other. It's like you're trying to get her head through it. It was it was a chore to get her out of there, even though it was only three quarters of a mile. Yeah. So here's here's a question now, what what is a, uh, a a key takeaway from the 2022 season for you? Hmm. That's a great question, and I think it because uh, it's not it over. It's to, not over yet, but up to this point, no. you know. You know? <laughs> yeah, an early season. I was actually thinking about this earlier. What something would be that I took away? And honestly, early season, I was focused on those windows in the woods. So. A lot of these spots that I was hunting, like I would literally have to crawl to these spots. It's so brutally thick. And I got lucky in the morning one time in the dark where I found one little opening and there was deer trails all through it. It was just this heavy canopy, but then there was this little grassy spot, probably about 20 yards by 20 yards. And sure enough, it just worked to perfection. And a big group of does came through. And actually before that, a buck came through and was rubbing the tree underneath me. Had a big group of does came down and, and I smoked one at 17 yards. Um, fast forward a few weeks, I snuck into another spot and I was looking for the a window. Uh, I was in the same general area, but I had shifted about uh, a quarter of a mile and found another opening. And this one was much smaller. It was only about 10 yards by 10 yards. Sure enough, about an hour before day daybreak or uh, before the evening was out, uh, this doe wor- works through with her with her young one, and it just worked to perfection. So that was something I was really focusing on early season was those windows. Um, and then the buck I killed, too, was heading towards a window. So he was on a trail heading towards that, that staging area, which uh, I hunted that staging area a lot last year, killed a doe out of it. Uh, and then this buck worked through. So I think that was the big thing this year was finding those spots where the deer, the deer feel very secure. And then they stop right at that, at that break in the cover and then work out into that opening slowly. And it just, it worked out perfect. Cause I was able to sit up higher than, than that canopy. So by the time they're out there, their, their eyesight's already ahead of me and not looking up. So I was able to to smoke a couple, um, before they even knew what happened. So when you talk about these windows, because I know we ran into this situation in Ohio a lot because how brutally thick it is in some of those, uh, ridges and mountains, uh, hilltops out there is because there, you may find, you know, a scrape or, you know, a rub line, but it's only one trail, right? So, you know, that opening, you know, you could get up into it and shoot that, say you have like a 20 yard shot into that opening, but that's the only trail you have. And then that's the only opening. So you're basically setting yourself up for, you know, one spot where, you know, there's sign, uh, or would you rather, you know, move a little bit where you kind of find, two or three trails and you might have, you know, two or three openings or shots. Um, but maybe the sign's not as good as that one spot because I like for myself, I would be, be thinking is man, if the deer doesn't come exactly down this trail, I'm, you know, I may see him in the other spots, but I have zero shots whatsoever. And then, you know, the whole sits kind of, kind of busted, you know, and for us, we kind of had limited time to being on an out of state hunt. Uh, so when you talk about those openings, are you okay with that? Or are you looking for, you know, multiple options? Typically I like to see as far as I can, if I'm doing more of an observation sit, but that those couple of hunts that I did, I was honestly trying to go in there and just see what I could see. And I snuck in there and I found this little opening and I kind of like, I had a split second thought that I should push a little deeper to see what I could find. Thankfully I didn't because after it got daylight, I saw that there were no other openings within sight. Um, I could see above the brush and there was nothing else. So I would have laid my scent down in there and with me pushing around, I may have never seen those deer because now all those trails converged at that one point i did not have much shooting elsewhere i had deer blowing behind me at 35 yards and i couldn't see them it was so thick 
but I had two trails that led into this one opening and I just, I honestly didn't know what else was around because it was dark when I found it, but that was going to be all my shooting and it just happened to work out. Same thing with that other doe that I shot in that 10 by 10 window. Um, that spot, I even had less opportunities. I could see them a little bit further away, but it was still super thick and I needed them in that opening. And on that spot, I was also hunting the corner of, of private ground. So I could really only shoot so far because of that private ground. I, I was basically hunting about 20 yards off the line and I could only shoot to my left and uh, it, it worked out. So I, I tend to like to see more because I like to see deer and I'm not specifically a buck hunter. I just like killing deer. So I'm not targeting a specific buck. I'm not targeting a spot that has a lot of buck signs specifically. I just like killing deer. So I'm going to go to the spot where I see the, the best sign and just set up on it. it even if it is limited shooting uh, in some of those cases, even, even if I like to see more sometimes, sometimes I will bite the bullet and just say, hey, I'm going to sit here with only one opportunity of shooting lane. Was there any kind of how you said you found that first one kind of just randomly in the dark? And then the second one, was that kind of the same thing? Like you found it just randomly or did you specifically like, okay, Hey, these, this terrain feature on this spot looks very similar to this. I might give that a shot and go there. Was there anything that kind of two things came together like that? They were actually sort of different. So the first one you really couldn't see on the map. It was kind of a bowl, but it was, in Maryland, the, the topo lines are so spread out because it's just rolling hills, so you can't really necessarily see some of these features without actually putting boots on the ground. The second spot, it was daylight, so I was going in mid-afternoon for an evening hunt, and I knew the general area where I wanted to go, and I knew my wind, so I had an idea of where these deer were bedding, and I was kind of scouting my way in, kind of did a big U, actually walked right through the middle of the bedding on a walking trail, but knew that those deer were used to people on that trail, so I wasn't too worried about it, and did a big loop and then came in on the backside of the bedding. And I didn't really know where I was going, but I knew the general area, and I just got in there, and I was like, this is a great spot. It's a great opening. There's good trails. I went up to the opening and could see deer trails and fresh deer scat in that opening, so I backed off about 10 yards, popped up a tree, and within about two hours had a deer on the ground. So, um I think being able to learn from those opportunities like that first hunt where I found that window, that wasn't my goal for this season. I didn't know what my goal for this season was, but once I found success there, I knew I can do that again. So then this next hunt, I was like, I'm going to go back into a, this general area, look for another window and see if I can make it happen again. Sweet. How many years have you been going to Maryland? This was year four for us and year three for myself being a hunter. Okay. So how, what kind of words could you give fellow hunters that like, obviously we have really great States nearby us. So like you have mm -hmm. Maryland, you have Ohio, you have New York, um, that it, depending on where you live, you could kind of get to fairly quick. Like it seems like you guys do a lot of hunting. So how do you manage something along those lines? Like to get, comfortable with a with a spot how do you manage like maybe giving up this weekend in pennsylvania to a maryland you know what i mean like because i just feel like those are things like i would love to do to do that just to break up the just to break up the season a little bit and challenge yourself and put yourself in different situations but man there's sometimes where i'm just like i oh man it's it's october 28th like i know that's really a decent time where I like, mm. to, do you know what I mean? Like, so what kind of words or any feedback that could you give people? Because like, you've been doing it now, like you said, three years yourself, four years going. Yep. Yeah. So and it, it depends on what type of hunter you are. So like for me, I'm more of a meat hunter. Uh, I mean, I obviously love killing bucks that we all do. Um, but I, and my heart's in Pennsylvania cause I grew up here. I grew up hunting the big woods, hunting public land, but going down to Maryland and having that success down there just year after year um, really solidifies, Hey, like I can make it happen down here. And, and I don't want to say that I work less down there, but 
because it's still public land. You're still bumping into guys. Um, but I've met a lot of great guys down there, and we've shared things. Now, a lot of it we've learned just by doing it. Uh, we've learned where to go, where to not go, um, what people to avoid, if at all possible, <laughs> uh, different things like that. Um, so I personally think, like, I'll just – I just go with my gut. Like, where do I want to hunt? How much time do I have to hunt? Um, around home here, there's not a lot of great hunting. There's a lot of pressure. There's big bucks, but it's it's a lot of private private ground, which I don't have access to. So I either need to go three and a half hours north or an hour and a half south. So a lot of the times it's going to be that hour and a half south um, because it's just closer and it's more effective. Um, for my time and I work fairly close to the Maryland line so I can just pop down uh, for an evening hunt pretty easily um, that it's not necessarily which state I want to hunt it's more so how much time do I have to hunt got it I like that and how, how long do you feel how many years do you feel like it takes you to kind of figure out a spot where you feel confident going in there like for myself I feel like you know a lot of the spots that I've really honed in on the last few years, it took about three years to really say, I, and you never figure it out with whitetails, but I feel very confident going in there and each year to year now that I could potentially be successful. You know, what, what is that time frame look for you, whether it's a new spot like in Maryland or PA that you might've found and you're starting to dive into? Mm-hmm. So we hunt a couple of different uh, pieces of public ground down there, and both are completely different. Um, one is you'll see more people, and the other one, there's a lot of people, but the land's bigger. So this one spot where I've killed those two doe this year in those windows, um, that general spot, I've hunted it for two years, and I've hunted this about quarter-mile diameter area. And I've seen a lot of deer in this area, and I've uh, ten. I, I've really narrowed down where these deer are coming from, and where they're bedding, where the food is. Um, and I think I've done maybe ten sits in there. Maybe you haven't seen deer three times. Um, it's what it is—a big ravine, and on one side it's super thick; the other side is just super open. But there's little draws that come about, and it goes up to a flat where there's food. So I'm hunting in that bottom in the evening, getting my thermals to suck into a creek, and then just waiting for those deer to come across and head up to feed. Um, I actually missed a buck in there. It would have been either late September, early October this year. It just read the script, came right out of the bedding, right up one of those fingers, and I just rushed a shot and missed. But I'm learning how these deer are moving in there, where they're coming from, and I have, I'm gaining knowledge uh, all around this bedding area. It doesn't really matter what wind I have because I can go all the way around this bedding and still have a good opportunity of these deer coming out depending on where the wind's coming from. So I tend to agree with you, Dimitri, that about two to three years is what it takes to learn a spot and see deer consistently and kill deer um, fairly consistently as well. Great. So that was a, a good key, you know, we we started that whole kind of conversation with like a key takeaway. What was a, maybe like a, a learning moment for you this this upcoming or this past year? Um, I think for myself, it needs to be don't get discouraged when you're not seeing the deer. So the first month I was struggling. So I went on that white or that mule deer hunt in Colorado. Yep. Honestly, it was a camping trip. The weather was just so perfect out there, and it, the deer just didn't move. We saw, I think we saw four deer in six days, um, and the biggest buck was a spike. So it was it was kind of demoralizing. I mean, it was still a great time, but just not see those deer when you're putting in all that effort for those six, six days um, really chewed away. And then you come home, and... I know how many deer there are in PA in Maryland and I'm still just not getting on them. And for myself, it was, I just got to keep going. And, and I tend to get worked up if I'm not seeing deer or killing deer. And that chewed away at me too, because it's not all about killing the deer. It's about enjoying the experience out there. So 
I had to switch my mindset that I'm out here to enjoy this time and it's not all about killing the deer as much as enjoying the hunt versus enjoying the success. And when that mindset switched, now I'm having more fun out there and I have more confidence. There's, there's this thing in hunting where if you don't have confidence, you're, you're probably not going to see deer because you, you're not focused. You're not picking the right spots based on the weather and the wind. Um, but when you have confidence in a spot, you're locked in and you're making those right decisions. Um, and honestly, uh, I'm a man of faith. I'm a Christian guy and, and all of my buddies are as well that we hunt with. And I was just focusing on that success way too much and not focusing on what's true to my faith and was putting hunting above everything else and just wasn't seeing that success. So I had to get my priorities straight, get my mindset right. And not saying that by getting my mindset right, I was able to have way more success because I was doing those things. But um, changing that mentality helped me have more fun. And then ultimately, yeah, I did kill uh, some deer. But changing that mentality was huge for me, not only in my hunting life, but also in my personal life with my wife. I was probably a lot easier to be around then, too. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. That's all great information, man. And I'm, I'm sure a lot of people could relate to that. I myself can as, as well. So that's that's really good that's really good stuff and so dimitri tagged his buck tag november 12th here in pennsylvania you were november 9th down there yeah yep so yep. Tell, tell us that story well the buck um i slipped into a spot that i hunted last year and we have actually have a cell cam in there and i knew about this buck but really didn't think anything of it because the bucks down there just kind of tend to cruise around get bumped by people and aren't in the same spot um i went into this area it's a big staging area with an apple tree off to the side super thick had to crawl in there was actually hunting an old walking trail and i didn't I was actually, I shouldn't say it. I wasn't necessarily hunting that trail. I knew it existed, but it was a poke. It was 43 yards to that, to that trail, but I had heavy trails underneath me that were heading into that staging area. And I slipped in there. I think it was after work one day and, uh, just was sitting there till about four o'clock and I heard the twig snap and look up and here he comes just moseying down that trail. And I was facing directly at that trail and I had one opening and right in the middle of that opening was a branch that was probably about halfway between me and him. So I literally had to hang off the side of my tree stand and shoot bent over. And like I said, it was a poke of 43 yards. Now I had that confidence because I was shooting 80 to 90 yards this summer consistently for that mule deer hunt. So I knew I had the confidence to make that shot. And so I, I, he came through, hit that opening. I bleeded at him twice. He stopped, looked right at me, and I let her fly. And I'm, I'm honestly not sure. I may have hit a branch or jerked my shot, but I, I missed by about 10 inches and hit him right in the base of the neck and, and hit his jugular. And he only went 45 yards, 50 yards, and piled up. Um, so I got pretty lucky with that one. But I went down. I gave him a little bit of time, went down to the arrow, and I heard him thrashing up in the leaves and I, I don't like that. I, I don't want to bump this deer, but I could see the tree that he was under just going nuts. So I had a feeling he was locked up in a, in a bush somewhere and couldn't go anywhere, but I just wanted to make sure. So I backed out, went and got my stuff, met a nice guy in the parking lot that was able to help me uh, get the deer. We went in, he was stone cold dead. Um, a big five pointer. He was a six point, had about a four inch brow time that he snapped clean off. Uh, within, I think it was a four day window from the time I had him on trail camera to the day I killed him. <laughs> he snapped that off. Um, but no, it was a great hunt. Um, feel very blessed to get that buck. And honestly, that buck took a lot of pressure off, um, to get a buck in PA. I mean, obviously I'd love to get a buck in PA, but just to fill one buck tag for the year, uh, takes a lot of pressure off. So no, it was a great hunt. Uh, a lot of learning experiences there as well. What, um, when you, kill a buck like that and you're saying like how it, it eases that pressure here in Pennsylvania and you're saying just a little bit ago about your mindset you know training that you know you said that did help you 
like mm-hmm. explain that just cause you know, I know for certain people, you know, I like myself, like I'm still trying to fill that my PA buck tag, you know, mm-hmm. like in, in that grand scheme of things, you know, how, how big of a relief does that play? How does that kind of get your mind back and like how like refocus for you? Yeah. And I think, I think there's a, a, a big mindset with that as well, where, if I still didn't fill a buck tag and I went into the big woods on opening day, I'm going to go as hard as I can. But by doing that, you can also switch your focus to the success. Whereas, and this, I've, I've dealt with this with my baseball career. If I'm thinking about the future success, I'm not going to succeed in the present moment. So I need to focus on what I can control I'm going to take light steps. I'm not going to step on twigs. I'm going to watch the wind. I'm going to slow down and stop and look and listen. I'm not going to set my mind on, I'm going to kill that 140-inch buck. No, i got to control what I can control in the moment. And I think that is easier. It's easier said than done. But it's easier when I've had that buck tag filled or one of my buck tags filled. Now I can go out there and enjoy the hunt. And that's exactly what I did opening day. I had a doe tag, I had a buck tag, but I was just out there having a good time. Family and friends were out in the big woods of PA. Um, I, I really didn't have any stress at all. I didn't have any feelings like I have to kill today. Um, so I just enjoyed that hunt. I, I learned a lot. Those were two areas that I had never been to. I had to find that feed. I had to find where they were bedding. I wanted to check some trail cameras that I had in there that were soaking. And uh, honestly, Found a ton of great buck sign, found some spots that I'm going to hunt for a long time, I believe. But no, going back to, I have to focus on the present. I can't focus on the future and that success. It's fantastic. Now, do you even feel when you harvest a doe, one or two does at the beginning of the season, that that even takes a lot of pressure off? I, I know for myself that, you know, if I haven't even, November comes around and I haven't even killed a doe yet, I mean, I've, I even feel the pressure there. And then, you know, then you're in that stage. It's like, do I shoot a doe or wait for a buck to come, you know, pushing this doe? I, I feel getting that doe early on, getting some meat in the freezer really helps me relax a lot at the beginning of the season compared to waiting later in that season to fill those doe tags. Yeah, and absolutely. I mean, for me, first blood is what does it. Um, it. It takes that stress off. And it almost adds a secondary stress for me, too, because I'm trying to create content to grow the everyday outdoorsman. So that first month of the year that I had this year, I'm not seeing anything. I can't even, I can't even make a video because I have no content. So that's another added stress where I, I don't necessarily have to kill, but I need to kill, like to get that content, to get out to our viewers. Um, so yeah, there, there is that, that satisfaction and that relief getting that, that first one on the ground. That's the, the, uh, the downfall, I guess, like the bad part about it. Cause I'm sure you had some really cool hunts, you know, the, for, for some footage <laughs> yeah. that you may not see. Like I, I, you know, it's funny this past year, I, before the season started, like, right. Maybe it was right when the season started, someone was like, so what's your decision? Like, are you filming? And I was like, uh, honestly, no, and, and, and <laughs> like I had every intention to just because like, even I don't know. Like, it'd be cool. Like, don't get me wrong. I would love to get that on film, but I'm like, I, I don't do anything cool enough that would warrant uh, like, you know, the content, you know what I mean? Or like, I don't, I don't know. I just, that's just my, I guess my personal opinion for me, you know what I mean? Like what I'd be able to put out or not be able to put out. So I don't know. Like I, I go through those peaks and valleys where I'm like, I'm going to do it. I'm not going to do it. I'm going to do it. And then it's like how you were saying, carrying all that gear, like once I stopped carrying all my gear this past year, like even mm-hmm. though the stuff that I am, I was using was very minimal and light, that mm-hmm. extra little bit of like four pounds, like made a, a heck of a difference carrying that little pack. You know what I mean? It's just, I don't know. How about you, Dimitri? What have you noticed since you've haven't filmed like the last year or something? Well, my mindset going into this year was just to have fun and, yeah. you know, not put that pressure on myself. And I, you know, I think when you do put that pressure and it builds, you, you go away from that gut feeling because you feel like you, you need to make decisions instead of what you think and what your gut's telling you to do. So, you know, that this year I was just, 
you know, relax, enjoying the process. And, you know, I had one of the best years I've ever had in the woods. And, you know, I enjoyed every single minute of this year, um, put the most deer down that I ever have. And, you know, I really enjoyed myself. So, you know, anyone out there, it's just kind of relax and enjoy the season because you never know it could be your last one and we you know you, you hear that in sports right you know it could be your last play as if it's your last game because you don't know if that next one's going to come uh and I really had that mindset this year and it, it really uh showed and I just had a fantastic season and I enjoyed every minute I think that's very important too and I think we may have touched on this in a previous episode too but social media is terrible for this because I follow a lot of pages for PA hunting. I think it's like 12 pages that I follow. I log onto Facebook and it's just big buck after big buck after big buck. So for me, the beginning of this season, that month, I just scroll on Facebook at the end of the day. It's like, here's a big buck. Here's a big buck. Why can't I kill one? So what I had to do was I literally muted all those pages and all those groups for 30 days because I need to change my mindset. It's not about what these other people are killing. It's it, that took away from me enjoying my season. So just like you said to me, she like, you have to go out there and enjoy it. Don't stress about the success, enjoy the present moment and the, and God's creation that you're sitting in. I mean, even if you're not seeing deer, it's a beautiful, even if it's raining, I enjoy hunting the rain. Like there's, there's things to be thankful for in each hunt, whether you're successful or you see a squirrel for that hunt. There's positives in each, in each hunt. No doubt about it. I mean, I, I guess, you know, it's, it's even come from, from my side of things, like me personally, you know, I, I've gone through like ups and downs, but like for me, I had a couple people reach out to me this past week and ask like, Oh, are you getting like a, you know, the itchy finger and stuff like that. And like, I'm really not like, kind of like what you said, Dimitri, like, even though like I've enjoyed and I've learned something on every sit, like even like all my sits this year, I've, I've, I've either had encounters with deer, just, it just, just can't make, it wouldn't the closing moment couldn't happen. You know what I mean? It's just, you know, whether it's too far, uh, you know, like the other evening I hurried up, I got out of work as fast as I could. I I'm thank goodness did not have a encounter with a police officer because of the, <laughs> like the speeding that I was doing. And I got to, uh, my private little spot that's near my house uh, with the bow and I climbed up and I think my wife forgets that I was hunting like with the bow here. And, and, you know, because I'm up in a spot that I pre hung, uh, the evening before. And I literally from the time I, I closed my truck to where I need to be, I ha would have about 25 minutes of shooting light left. Wow. So okay. like up until this point, I know I can't get into where I like to get into in late season because it's in the thicket and like I like to be in there so I'm like crap if I get in there at this point I'm probably going to push something out so I have to be a little bit further away and I was a little bit further away and I get settled in the saddle and I I was looking around I did like one big kind of 360 look just with no binos or anything didn't see anything I took like a minute or two just to like look at my watch and I remember looking and it said 452 and I was like all right well you got 11 minutes or like 10 well I had maybe 14 because of the plus eight whatever and yeah. I was like okay um let me look again and I looked and I saw tail flick I was, I was yeah. like of course boom right there right in that thicket where I wish I could have gone and I'm looking and I was like well if that's a doe maybe she could feed through here on this trail that I was on and I quick threw the binos up and lo and behold Dimitri was that that six point that decent, that decent six point. And I was like, Oh, you gotta be kidding me. And, uh, you know, I just watched them feed for a little bit and I had nothing like, I literally had just my bow. Like mm -hmm. I just had my saddle and my bow, no pack. Like my kill kit was at the bottom of the tree with my license. That was it. <laughs> so like I watched this deer feed for a little bit and it, it went away and it got dark. I climbed down, pulled the set and like in my truck, I went, and I got home and she's like, well, why didn't you shoot? I'm like, hey, that was like 70 yards away. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> it would have been a 70 yard bomb through thickets. Like I'm not, yeah. you know, she doesn't get it, but it was, uh, <laughs> but like, that's another, like, that's been my season. Do you know what mm -hmm. I mean? Or yeah. just, 
you know, and, and, but in that grand scheme of things, I was like, Hey, I saw a buck today. Yeah, absolutely. You know what I mean? Like it was 20 minutes of, I don't know, like just peacefulness of being in there and like, Ooh, like there's a buck, like getting all giddy about it. So I don't know. It's like, yes, don't get me wrong. Would I love to, you know, have something down? You, you better believe it. But at the same time, like I've learned so much this year. This is the from between trail cameras to seeing deer on stand to, I don't know, learning the terrain, just everything about it. This was a very good experience year for me, and uh, uh, you know, I, I'm happy with it. So, I'm, and it's not over. It's Saturday yep. late season. So, heck, I've yep. killed a deer on that last what the second to last day of late season last year. So I'll be pl- plugging along even I'm sure this year with that as well. Yep. Awesome. I like it. Dimitri, anything else for Brandon before we, we head off? I don't think so. Well, Brandon, I, um, I best of luck to you and your dad and, and fa- family and friends as you go up into big woods, big woods this weekend, hopefully next week when this airs, we'll, we'll, we'll have a really cool story to, to add on to this and, and a, uh, a really awesome buck picture to, to put on for you. <laughs> <laughs> I am so too. <laughs> from, from PA Mountain Buck with the rifle. That'd be sweet, man. Well, Brandon, again, thank you so much for, for doing this for us. Like I said, I, I thoroughly enjoy our conversations uh, and really enjoy watching what you guys do. You put out some really cool content. So thank you for doing the content because, you know, like I said, I know it, it is tough. And, uh, man, if people that people that do it one, I, I'm sure realize how tough it is, but for people like you guys is channel that you're, you're really putting episodes together and building and trying to do all that. That is a lot of work. So I commend you hats off to you guys for, for doing that. Well, Brandon, so there's where can people find you with the everyday outdoorsman and all that stuff. You guys can find us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube at the everyday outdoorsman. Don't hesitate to reach out. You can even find me on my personal page. Anytime, any questions or just to shoot the breeze. Don't hesitate to reach out. We'd love to hear from you. Awesome, Brandon. Well, thank you again, man. Best of luck to you this upcoming weekend. We'll see you soon, hopefully, and talk, you know, once uh, the whole season wraps up for you, Maryland's done. Like last year, you'll hit me up and be like, hey, here's a couple more points I want to talk about. And you're always welcome, man. So thanks again for tuning in, everybody. We'll see you uh, next week. Antler up.